<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska! Hi, this is Yoko. I want to wish you and your family a very happy holiday season. Give peace a chance. I love you. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, December 15, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 330 of the Biden-Harris administration, 328 days until the 22 midterms. I am on Instagram at the Bob Seska. You can follow me there. Lots of personal fun stuff over there. And on Twitter at Bob Seska underscore go. Okay, don't freak out. This is our last interview show before the big holiday break, so we're ending this year with one of my favorite political writers, Charlie Pierce from Esquire.com, and the Stephanie Miller Show is here today to talk about COVID, the 1-6 committee, the Supreme Court, abortion. You know, we also talked about the JFK assassination and whether Oswald acted alone. Charlie also dropped a prediction, oh my God, about reproductive rights that scared the piss out of me. So don't nobody move. You're going to want to stick around all the way through this one. Meantime, you can find Charlie at Esquire.com. Link in the description under this episode at BobSeska.com. And you can find him on Twitter at Charles P. Pierce. And don't forget to help support this show by subscribing to our bonus content at BobSeskaShow.com. All right, here comes me and the great Charlie Pierce. The Bob Seska Show. So this is Christmas. Have you been room rated yet? Have you been on TV enough to be uh, room rated? I was very early on. I was room rated uh, like one of my first Zoom appearances on Stephanie Miller's show, which... Really? (laughs) Yeah, which no one knew what the hell they were doing when we were first all starting to use Zoom. So I guess I think I got like a 7 out of 10. I I think I could do better. I, 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 I got called at the last minute to do Chris Hayes and I got like a five. Oh my God. Only one place in my house where I could get signal enough to actually use the zoom. But this, this is great now for doing hits on MS, right? I mean, uh, it's a lot better than getting in a car and having to travel someplace and sit around. Yeah, in but the I studio. don't know. I kind of like being picked up in a town car and <laughs> driven around. 
<laughs> yeah, you know what? The only time I ever did that, I lived like two and a half hours from the next nearest television studio. So they yeah. would pick me up in a car, and the poor driver. Well, this is when you were in Hawaii. Oh, no, this is actually when I was still living in Pennsylvania. I had to have a drive, huh. one of their drivers in a town car driving me from Reading, Pennsylvania to Harrisburg. And I'm sure they hated every last second of that drive. I, <laughs> I know. Did, I, I did, uh, uh, during, before the uh, Wisconsin primary in 16. Yeah. I did Madison to Milwaukee about three times. <laughs> was that fun? Did you have to Wait, drive or did you have someone else drive? No, no, I was, no, they picked me up and took me to, they were doing live at some bar on the, on the riverside huh. in Milwaukee. And of course that's my old stomping ground. So, <laughs> right. You know, I, you know, I know, you know, that highway between Madison and Milwaukee and drive it blindfolded. Do you know anything, speaking of MSNBC, do you know anything about uh, what Rachel Maddow is doing? Because there's been all kinds of rumors going back and forth. I knew well, she she's was- supposedly supposedly leaving the show next year. I, I got to scratch my head and wonder why. I'm, I'm going to put the, be- because she's a friend. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put the best possible face on it. Her partner, Susan, really took a beating from COVID this year. Oh, man. And I'm wondering if her health is just not never recovered. Oh, God. Rachel would never say Rachel would never say anything like that on TV. Yeah, yeah. But well, I've also got to believe that's got you know what a grind that must be. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just it. I think for all of us, Charlie, and I'd love to get yeah. your take on this. I mean, pressing our faces up against our computer screens twenty four seven and devouring what could very well be the decline of American civilization into full blown authoritarianism. I mean, that's taken a chunk out of me. I mean, where are you psychologically as far as covering all this crapola? Well, I'm uh, I'm putting one foot in front of the other every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just I mean, I, I I happen to be lucky enough to you know at least be on you know at least have my own gun crew. Yeah, yeah. That I can that you know. You know, someday in in the future, people will, I hope, uh, you know, call the role of people who stood up against this stuff. Yeah, right. And I'd like to be one of them. And at least I have, you know, a platform to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just, I, I, this, this has, has metastasized so quickly. Yeah. And in so many different directions uh, that I have, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's like being a fireman in hell. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if it's not the pandemic, it's the Democrats do. You know, it's the attack on voting rights. It's, uh, you know, you know, it's the befuddlement of the Democrats and the complete insanity of the Republicans. And it's, you know, genuine social problems mm-hmm. and layer the climate crisis on top of that. I mean, mm-hmm. I never worry about, you know, it used to be when I first started, this was 10 years ago now, uh, when I first started doing the blog, mm-hmm. I used to worry about, you know, there were days where I didn't think I had, I would ever have enough stuff. I haven't <laughs> worried about that in about six years. <laughs> I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's weird. There's a kind of a strange parallel between COVID and Trump or the the Trump authoritarian rise, uh, for lack of a better term. 
sure. where it starts out and you think, okay, well, this is going to be temporary. We're going to deal with this for a short period of time, maybe four years, maybe a little longer. But, you know, the pendulum is going to swing. Same with COVID. We're going to deal with this for a year. Everyone's going to get vaccinated and we're all going to be fine. But now it seems as if both things, to use your term, both things have kind of started to metastasize. You know, I, I've, I've gone back uh, as far as I can uh, in epi- epidemiological history, researching this. Yeah. This is, as far as I can tell, the very first time there's been an organized opposition to a cure. Right. I mean, there was some, you know, kind of know-nothing resistance to smallpox way back in the day, to smallpox vaccinations. And there was some some of the same kind of thing when polio first came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember, you know, getting my first polio shot in 19, whenever it was that Salk invented it, 58 or 59. Yeah. I was five or six years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mother, who spent, you know, better part two years in an iron lung because she had the pneumatic form oh, of polio. And, uh, you know, she and I, I mean, it was, it was like, let joy be unconfined. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a way to keep people from getting this awful disease. Yeah. And then the second part, of course, which was great, but primarily, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, great for kids was Sabin who came along with the oral vaccine. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to get shots anymore. That was great. Oh, Eat yeah. the sugar cube. Mm-hmm. Eat the little sugar cube. Well, you know, now, I mean, because I am of an advanced age, I get my shingles vaccine every year and my flu vaccine. And my, in fact, I'm going to be getting all these at the end of the week and my, uh, you know, old people's pneumonia vaccine. And I'm fine with it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't feel like my freedom is lessened. Yeah. Well, you know, our mutual friend Tom Nichols has been busting on mask mandates on Twitter these past few days and how they're more or less useless now, at least as public policy, because most people are just ignoring them. Um, I, I disagree. But is he is he wrong on that? Is this something that we I, need to you reassess? Know, I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I ride the I, I don't have a car, yeah. so I get around on public transportation in Boston for practically everything. Wow. Uh, and it, yeah. it, they still have a mask mandate for. <clears throat> the buses, the subways, the commuter trains, and all the other MBTA conveyances. And people have been really good about it. Mm-hmm. I rarely see anybody on a bus or a subway train who isn't wearing a mask. Yeah. I think, you know, you know, we, you know, we have a patchwork. Uh, Cambridge has a mask mandate for all indoor activities. Watertown doesn't. Belmont has it for restaurants, I think, and something else. But by and large, people go along with it, I think. Yeah, Plus, I mean, I think a lot of people are discovering, as I did during the pandemic, that, you know, I wore a mask all the time. I didn't get my usual winter cold. That's right. I know. And I didn't. Fr- I'll tell you what, I didn't freaking miss it either. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, there so are all kinds of April, things. Yeah. And I said, God, I wasn't miserable for 10 days in February, <laughs> which was clockwork. Yeah, yeah. You know, most of my life. I, I don't know. I don't understand the logic of of, uh, you know, if you make if, if you make something mandate, then people won't do it. Therefore, you should mandate it. I don't get the, the syllogism there. It's, it seems to me, and I don't want to turn this into a bust on Tom uh, segment here, no. but no. the way I've been seeing this, Charlie, is human beings are still monkey see, monkey do. If we see other people wearing masks, we want to instinctively fit in with the crowd and to be, you know, the only person not wearing a mask in a room. 
you kind of stick out like a sore thumb. And I think in, in a certain respect, people want to go along, uh, despite what we see happening, uh, you know, with Trump supporters and anti-vaxxers. I was going to say, yeah. unless, you're, unless you're a nutball conservative Republican. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm talking about you know, the normals, who, really. Yeah. You, know, who, 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 you know, you know, who look, wakes up in the morning and sees jackboots on his ceiling. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, some of the video has just been astonishing to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I sort of see Tom's point, you know, in in that if you make a regulation that everybody ignores, mm-hmm. then, you know, you sort of you sort of, uh, I, I guess, you know, re, you know, lessen the credibility of other regulations that right. people that, that people don't ignore. But I still don't think, you know, getting rid of or getting rid of a public health regulation because not enough people are 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 you are abiding by it is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think. And, and you know, I just saw today. In fact, I'm just writing about the the NDAA, the the Defense Authorization Act that went through the Senate today. Yeah, there's a provision the Republicans put in there that uh, protects uh, soldiers and you know troops, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, from dishonorable discharge if they don't get if they disobey the vaccination mandate. Interesting. So you've got, you know, the commander in chief gives an order to the military and the Republicans have found a way that they can, that the military doesn't have to obey it. <laughs> Jesus. This is not a precedent that I want to that I want to set, you know. And it was never I don't think the mandate involved a dishonorable discharge in the first place. And uh, I think the first what the first two dozen soldiers were dismissed from the military uh, in the past 24 hours uh, because of yeah. the vaccine mandate. Yeah. Uh, So I guess this is something that's uh, becoming quite rapidly a hot potato now. uh, Well, I mean, you know, it's it's Republican, you know, legislators who are running for reelection next year uh, on the anti-vaccination ticket Mm -hmm. or the I believe I, you know, I'm vaccinated, but you shouldn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even worse than what the Republicans are doing, the anti-vaxxers, the mask shirkers and all points in between. I mean, one of the things that's nagging me most about COVID at this stage, Charlie, is that seems like many of us, I mean, a statistically significant number of us, including vaxxed people, uh, have just kind of given up. I mean, I've been calling this current wave that we're building into right now with COVID the complacency wave, uh, because it seems like it's just, well, okay, I guess we got to figure out how to live with this crap. Is COVID here to stay, Charlie? I mean, are we stuck with it? I think, uh, yeah, I think we're stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at least to to some extent we are, Uh, you know, we're going to, I'm afraid we're going to have to adapt to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with any luck, we can render it you know, a really bad flu. But I don't think, you know, I, I certainly don't think worldwide we're going to get rid of it. Any, I yeah. mean, I think the days of, you know, eradicating diseases worldwide are probably gone, at least in terms of, of viral infections. I don't think, you know, I don't think we're ever going to get rid of AIDS, for example. Yeah. But we've cut, you know, we've, it's a miracle how, you know, how far we've come on that in 30 years. I mean, you- but I think we've, We've reached the point of stasis on that now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you, uh, more than most, have your finger on the pulse of history. And one of the things that 
I'm concerned about is that we as Americans just can't do big things anymore. It's kind of a common refrain. We've heard this all over social media here and there uh, over the past few weeks, certainly as this new wave of COVID builds up, certainly as, uh, you know, other things fall by the wayside. But, you know, that's an ongoing concern of mine. I mean, why can't we achieve these things anymore? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm um, obviously I'm older than you are. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a child of the space age. Yeah. And the eradication of disease age and you know you know i'm supposed to have flying cars by now what the <laughs> hell happened there right but uh, you know i'm supposed to have personal jetpacks uh-huh. <laughs> uh although i did it was very it was it was very kind of chilling i watched uh soylent green again the other night oh yeah because i i have no life and <laughs> i couldn't find anything better on tv you know what year soylent green takes place in 2022 2022 yep <laughs> That's great. So you really want to make me shit my pants today, Charlie? Is that it? Yeah, is that I'm, what you're I'm doing? doing a fine job of that. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I grew up in the, you know, in the age of, well, I, you know, obviously also the scary stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember hiding under my desk during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. But you know, the idea that you know that America, you know, I don't know, you know, it's it's interesting, Bob. I don't know if it's we can't do anything big anymore or we don't want to do anything big anymore yeah and i think those two are different things maybe we're just too compartmentalized i mean now i think i'm beginning to think it's that we don't want to do big things anymore Mm -hmm. because if we could do it because if we wanted to do a big thing on this disease we could have done it yeah instead we left it to somebody else to to like you know biochemists and epidemiologists and people in lab coats and we didn't get committed to being part of the solution. There's no sense of national community anymore. I, I can very obviously sit here and, and scream at the clouds like Grandpa Simpson about social media, about you know everyone having their own personal brand now that they're constantly advertising. We're now into micro-communities, aren't we? And with micro-communities, whether they're built out of social media or some other mechanism, that prevents us all from working toward the same goal, right? I mean, that really kind of separates yeah, think, us out yeah i think we're i think we're into micro hermitages to be honest with you <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it i mean it, i mean I, i'm sure you know I, I was calling it you know over the you know the the really the two years of the of the pandemic uh where i was pretty much locked down in my house i started referring to it as aquarium life yeah exactly you know, you're like a fish in the aquarium mm-hmm. you look through the you know you look through your window and see everything go by <laughs> Except I mean, like- I, I covered the I covered the the presidential election, both conventions, the presidential election, and the first open rebellion since the Civil War. I covered them all from a rocking chair in my living room. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and it killed me. I mean, mm. my instincts as a reporter are not to be in a rocking chair. 600 miles from where the action is. Yeah, what were you thinking as a reporter? What are you thinking as the barricades are being stormed, as uh, the Red Hats are seizing the Article 1 powers? What's yeah. running through your head as someone who, well, you know, obviously... I, I, you know, I, well, the first thing that's running through my head is I wish I was down there. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, you, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't be a reporter and not want to be at a story like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing that was in my head was I was really hoping people I knew who worked in the building were okay. Yeah, right. I mean, I I saw, you know, Rep- Congressman Jim McGovern, who I've known who I've known for years, mm-hmm. uh, because he's the you know he 
he worked with Joe Moakley when I worked at the Boston Phoenix. So I got to know him then. Plus he's the, the rep for the part of Massachusetts where I grew up. Yeah. You know, I saw him get scuttled out of the chamber, hmm. you know, and then I wondered about, you know, my friends up at the Senate periodical gallery and, you know, the reporters who were, you know, trying to make sense of it in the hallways. So that was the second thing. And third thing, I was just astonished by the level of obvious organization that was there and the reluctance of the TV news people who were I was relying on from pointing out how organized it really was. Yeah, shocking, isn't it? That they kind of knew where they were going, uh, at least. Yeah, uh, they knew how, they, not only did they know where they were going, they knew how to get there, and they knew how to get through the windows. Mm-hmm. They knew which windows weren't uh, shatterproof and which doors were open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in U.S. Capitol. I don't know that stuff. <laughs> right. Oh, you're not aware of which windows you can climb through? Which windows I could break because, you know, <laughs> uh, Lindsey Graham no commented me. I mean, I get that there are going to be some immovable Republicans who will always support Trump, who will always lean on, well, this or that is a hoax. But, you know, from my perspective, Charlie, I was sitting there going, okay, well, this is going to be the last straw. Heads are going to roll. At least whatever is left of normalcy on the Republican side, they're going to condemn this. And the Republican establishment, is, at least, is going to slowly start to back away from Donald Trump as a consequence of it. But obviously it didn't happen. And I end up feeling well, I mean, a little it, bit it, like Charlie. We had, Brown. we had that one, that one blessed, like four hours <laughs> yeah, where, right. you know, where everybody got up and said how horrible it was that, you know, you know, crazy bear spray barbarians were attacking the cops. Unbelievable. And then it came to the vote and they all voted the way the mob wanted them to vote. Hmm. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in the house, certainly. Yeah. I think that there's a, and I actually wrote about this a lot in the uh, before the 2000, the first campaign that I blogged from, which was 2012. You know, obviously, formal party structure, at least on the Republican side, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, because you can be Lauren Boebert and, or or Madison Cawthorn or Matt Gates or any of these, you know, any of these lunatics. And you you have independent financing. Mm-hmm. You're not relying on on the national party for anything. So the national party can threaten the hell out of you and the threats are empty. Because you can use all the money you get for being a, you know, a Trumpian hero and 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 outrage your opponent and win a gerrymandered district. Have there always been rodeo clowns like some of the people you just mentioned, Madison Cawthorn, MTG, I mean, you know, Lauren Boebert? Well, I mean, they're all, they're, I mean, I, you know, Wilbur Mills, you know, yeah. leaping into the tidal basin, chasing his mistress, <laughs> his mistress, the stripper, and then, and then turning up at the Pilgrim Theater in the combat zone in Boston right. a week later, you know, and of course, the Joanne Freeman's wonderful book, Feels of Blood, mm-hmm. where you talk about, where you talked about, she talks about all the, violence in the chamber leading up to the civil war. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's always been, you know, there's always been, you know, people kind of like that. It's just that mm. you never got the sense and, you know, and I'm not old enough to have lived through McCarthy. So I, I don't know what that must've been like, but in my lifetime, you never got the sense that the crazies were driving the train. Yeah. The way you do now. Or- I mean, Everett Dirksen wasn't afraid of the Birch society. Yeah. Right. So much so that he, he would like not cooperate on civil rights or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then because he knew he could marginalize any of the, any of the, the really conservative senators 
who wanted to go off the reservation because he could cut them off from the party yeah. and then their their campaigns would wither and die. Now you've got a Republican party. The only real threat they have is the threat of being primary. And that's not going to come from the party. That's going to come from, you know, these rump factions of lunatics in congressional districts. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's Kevin McCarthy going to do? You know, find a moderate Republican, the primary Matt Gates, the guy will get fed to the Gators. <laughs> it seems like in the past, if the rodeo clowns ended up succeeding in some way, whether it's electorally or some other some other way, that the policy that would end up getting enacted in the wake of all of that would at least be somewhere in the spectrum of normal whatever party they're in uh, politics. Whereas now it's like if any of these people continue to win and expand their power, expand their support, we're not talking about, you know, Bob Dole style Republicanism here. We're talking about extremism. We're talking about authoritarianism. Some have defined it as fascism and that being on the horizon. So the stakes with this group of freaks and weirdos clanging their pots and pans together, screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me. uh, If they continue to gain power and support, that's taking us to a much darker place, isn't it? Well, yeah. And and it's, it's not, and, and it's not just the legislature. Yeah. It's also the judiciary. Mm -hmm. They have salted Re, you know, and 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 I I mean I I I give them a you know I give them complete amoral credit for fighting the long march through the judiciary. Yeah. And the way they've done it, because they've they're backstopped now. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean if the, if the recent Supreme Court stuff didn't teach you anything, it's that you know there's they've they've effectively gerrymandered state and 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 federal legislature to the point where that you know some you know the, that Wisconsin gerrymander bill is astonishing uh, it's a 50-50 state and republicans have rigged it so they get 86% of the state legislature mm-hmm. that's crazy that's got to i mean it's got to be illegal except that their <laughs> supreme court majority has already said that they don't have a they can't take a position on on partisan gerrymandering Okay, we'll get back to Charlie here in just a second. But first, today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, don't sweat it. I've got the solution. It's called BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. It's called telehealth. That's what we've all been doing this. It's the most convenient thing in the world, at least when it comes to medical care. BetterHelp is going to match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. Plus, you can log into your account anytime you want. You can send a message to your therapist and get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Seska. That's BetterHelp.com slash Seska. Link in the description of BobSeska.com. And join the over 2 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many 
people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. And here, now, your special offer for Bob Seska Show listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Seska. That's BetterHelp.com slash Seska. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. What is it about the difference between Republicans and Democrats, Charlie, that allows Republicans to be able to keep their eyes trained on the long game, whereas Democrats don't seem to be quite as good at that, having long-term goals, whether it's uh, judicial goals, judge appointments, uh, policy that takes a long time to carve out. Uh, Republicans seem to have been doing this since at least 64. What we're in right now, didn't that get started around 64? I mean, that's a long I, I, curve. I, I, dated from the, I dated from the Goldwater campaign. I, that's when yeah. I, as I put in the blog, that's when, the, that's when uh, you know, the Republican Party ate the monkey brains and got the prion disease that's, you know, eating away their higher functions now. Uh, but I think, well, I think there's a number, I think there's a number of reasons. Number one, over the past 25 or 30 years, every Democratic president comes into office and his primary task is cleaning up the mess right. left behind by the Republican pre- president who preceded him. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you know, you, you know, it, the popular wisdom is that a new president gets 18 months to govern. And then it, you know, then everybody's running for real, you know, everybody's running for the midterms, then everybody's running for president again. For the last, you know, Clinton, Obama, and now Biden. The last three Democratic presidents, their primary focus has been repairing the damage. Yep. I mean, I mean, and and that takes, you know, not only is that going to take a lot of work, it's going to frustrate your most your most fervent uh, base voters because they're waiting for all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And basically, what you're doing is you're trying to patch things together. So that's one thing. Two things. The other thing that the Republicans do, the Democrats don't, obviously, is the Republicans seem much better at purging people. Yeah. Democrats don't purge people. There are no moderate Republicans of any influence anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't find me one. Every, the furthest left you can go in the Republican Party is to sound like Ronald Reagan. And he was not a moderate, no matter no matter what the 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 uh, the uh, you know hindsight of history is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I think that you know the Democrats have never found it found themselves capable of doing that. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, a guy who who screwed up a Republican policy initiative as badly as Joe Manchin has screwed up the Democrats' policy initiative yeah. or Kirsten Cinema, they don't survive the next election. Mm-hmm. They don't. They get primaried out of the, you know, I, you know, and, and, and I realize that, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yeah, I know Manchin gets elected in West Virginia and it, it's a tough, you know, it's a tough rodeo for him. But still, uh, you won't see a Republican do what he's doing. Yeah. Not for long yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nikki Haley is now considered to be a rhino. It's amazing. She just launched her. She just launched her her new pack. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously in preparation for her delusional attempt to run for president, and she's already being buried in the right wing press for being a rhino. Why? Because she sat next to she sat next to John Brennan at a panel 
at the NBA All-Star game two years ago. Is uh, I, I don't even know where to go with that, but I, I just let's <laughs> let, let's go back to Joe Manchin real quick because I have a question for you about Build Back Better. Uh, there's some news coming out today about shelving Build Back Better. We'll talk about that in a second, but. I keep going back to that photo op outside the White House back in, I want to say it was June, where they first announced this plan to do the bipartisan infrastructure and then balance that with Build Back Better, pass them both yeah. at the same time. Joe Manchin is there. Kirsten Cinema is there. Uh, I think Mitt Romney was there, too, a bunch of other Democrats. It seemed like the plan was ironed out. What the fuck happened between well, I mean, that I, photo I mean, op and I, today? I called it. I called it all along the just crazy enough to work plan. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, this 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 idea of the two bills was just nutty enough that it might work. Right, right. It might confuse it might confuse enough people that it get, that it gets passed because people don't really know what's going on. <laughs> uh, as soon as they as soon as they split the two, you just knew that it was going to be easy for people to to not, you know, not vote against Build Back Better because the elements of it are too damn popular, mm -hmm. but to temporize it into oblivion. And basically what I'm hearing today is that they think they can get Manchin to do a carve out on voting rights as long as they put Build Back Better on the shelf. Yeah, that was the news I was just about to talk about, that they're yeah, shelving right. it uh, in lieu of uh, voting rights. And it seems to me as if it's a gamble, obviously, because they could end up not passing either one of them. I mean, do you get the sense that they might have the votes for at least Manchin's proposal or filibuster carve-out? Uh, I think they could get a filibuster carve-out. I mean, they just need Manchin, right? They don't need both of them. Don't they need both Manchin and Cinema to get to 51 with Kamala Harris on I, the filibuster? Know, I I, I'm doing the math in my head now. What's the, what's the, is it for, it's the, it's not 49-49, is it? No, I thought it was 50-50 with the two independents. And then uh, Kamala Harris makes 51. And then if you take out, but if you if you lose Manchin and Cinema, you don't have the votes for a simple majority. Well, you know, I, I in that case, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know where you go with Cinema. I, I, yeah. I don't know what she's what she's all about. I don't know. It, it just it seems like this plan to shelve Build Back Better in lieu of uh, prioritizing voting rights, fine. But there's this gamble that they it, may oh, end no, up not getting the voting I mean, rights either. Unless you unless you've got a promise from God, I don't even know who you yeah. know a Republican, yeah. mm -hmm. and I don't know who that would be. Uh, Romney, maybe I don't know. Romney, maybe, but you know, I, you know, and 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 whatever you do is going to inflame your most loyal voters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, and, I mean, I, 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 you know, I point, I was, I, where was I talking to somebody the other night? Probably just around. Hmm. Uh, Biden is reneging on student loan relief. Yes. And he's got no place to hide on that one. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a campaign promise and he's abandoning it. It's one thing, you know, to go with build back better and, and you can't get the votes and doesn't the filibuster suck and, weren't the founders stupid, you know, <laughs> but uh, the student loan thing is going to be a real black mark uh, because first of all, Elizabeth Warren's never going to get off his ankle about it. That's true. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And uh, no, but uh, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I, if you're depending on Kirsten cinema, then it's a huge gamble yeah. to do this Yeah, because you could wind up with nothing. 
in which case Raphael Warnock will show up in the chamber with an axe two days, <laughs> two days later. God damn I mean, it. Wouldn't surprise me at this point at all, uh, considering where we are with everything. Um, the, the 50-50 scenario is just endlessly frustrating because of the impossibility of defining the political reality of it to uh, to to regular folks, so to speak. Uh, it's it's something that you can't yeah. really go and say, well, you know what, they didn't pass this because they don't have the votes. Well, well, wait, we gave them a majority in the Senate, and then... that's That to me is, is I mean, I go crazy mm-hmm. when I hear this on TV from people who are supposedly smart. Yeah. The Democrats control, you know, <laughs> the, the Congress and the presidency. No, they don't. Right. You don't remotely control the Congress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, a a a guy from West Virginia and a nut from Arizona <laughs> control it. Yeah, you know, and they know they. I mean, they sort of control the House, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we've seen how much you know the House is. The House has passed some great stuff. Let's say fact. Oh yeah, Nancy yeah. Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi has done a great job. Mm-hmm. But then it gets to the Senate. And there's no way that you could say the Democrats control the Senate. Well, that's the triage that I'm engaging in online, Charlie, is trying to remind um, hot-headed Democratic voters that, you know, look, the House of Representatives passed all the wish list crap. So at least when it comes to the midterms, reward your House candidate. And and if it's not going to be the Senate, we at least should try desperately to preserve the House because, yeah. after all, they've done the things that we want. It just hit this roadblock with Manchin and Cinema and all the Republicans on the Senate side. So, yeah, and not, it, yeah. and not, not, only, not, not only that, but you really don't want the current Republican caucus in the House running things. <laughs> no. In fact, I was hearing because a rumor. That, that's where the wild things are. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. And I was hearing a rumor that the Republicans may be looking at Jim Jordan for speaker uh, in lieu of Kevin McCarthy if they end up winning next year. And I hope oh, that's I think, a moot point. I, but, yeah. I think McCarthy's a dead speaker walking. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, he's, I mean, that was, I was something interesting that I'm going to write about later in the week. Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, and John Roberts all have one thing in common. They don't control their institutions anymore. Right. McConnell does sort of. But I think I think McConnell's got everything. I, I mean, I think he's achieved everything he wanted to achieve. Yeah. He's filthy rich. He's got the judiciary in his pocket. He's done everything he wanted to do as, as, as a leader in the Senate. I think he's going to cash out. But McCarthy doesn't control the House, and Roberts certainly doesn't control the Supreme Court anymore. And Kevin McCarthy's not crazy enough for the Trump caucus, is he? Oh God, no, no. He, uh, what did you? He had a, he had a, a he committed a, a, you know, an offense against against Baal, uh, like a month ago. He, you know, I don't know. If, well, actually, what what he what he his original sin was that blessed four hours on January sixth, where he got up and said, you know. You know, riot, rioting in the Capitol isn't a good idea. We shouldn't do it. <laughs> I've never forgiven him for that. God, it's amazing that that's the thing that you can get uh, roasted over in the Republican Party these I just, days. I just, I just hope they don't like, like you know, make Jim Jordan speaker and then make like Marjorie Taylor Greene majority whip because I think she'd bring a, a real whip. Oh, God. <laughs> she would think it was required. Like, oh yes, yeah, well, whip and, means whip, and, right? And, and I don't mean. I don't mean to be gross, but I think she's had some experience with them. (laughs) 
Oh, God, yeah. And I'm hoping they keep talking about making Donald Trump Speaker of the House. I think that's going to turn out more Democrats than uh, Joe Biden will. Yeah, I think that I think that will. I also think, uh, just to serious up a little bit here, Yeah. if the Supreme Court comes down the way I think the Supreme Court's going to come down on abortion, that's going to be an earthquake. Yeah. Do you think Roberts you and think Kavanaugh you, are going to surprise think, us or think, no? Roberts can Roberts can do what he wants. They still got five votes to over to overturn uh, Roe. Well, that's what I mean. It would Roberts and Kavanaugh? Is there any wiggle room for Kavanaugh to come down on the right side of this? No, both Mississippi no. and Texas. No, oh no. Texas, I, they don't care about Texas. Okay, they'll they're gonna they're gonna let Texas get used to operating under this insane system now until they throw Roe out, out in June. Jesus, I Christ. mean it's, that's easy. Yeah, because yeah. once they do that, then the Texas law doesn't really matter anymore. I think uh, we haven't really even begun to contemplate how this is going to affect the United States geographically. I think you're going to see a mass exodus of women leaving red states where these laws uh, would then automatically plunk right down into their laps. In effect, that the second row is overturned. What do you think? Is this going to change the overall demographic dynamics of where women live in this country? I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be a real buzzkill for you now that you're going to really love having had me on the show. Okay. <laughs> I'm worried that the, you know, the, you know, if you think the house of representatives is nuts, go talk to some of the people who work in state houses. Yeah. I'm afraid some of those states are going to, are going to initiate criminal proceedings for women who leave the state to get abortions. I think you're looking at fugitive slave laws. Oh Jesus! That's not, they, otherwise, your law is a farce. I mean, if if everybody in Texas can go to New Mexico and get an get an abortion, or or you know, like well, Texas is sort of surrounded now that I think about it. But you know, Wisconsin. Okay, say the Wisconsin gerrymandered le- legislature passes. If everybody, if every woman in abortion who wants an wants an abortion can go to Minnesota and get one then your law is a farce. They're going to have to do, they're going to have to enact criminal penalties for women who leave the state. Mm -hmm. At least the state, at least those states that have, you know, relatively logistically logical uh, options like Wisconsin. Yeah. And if anyone thinks they're going to stop with overturning Roe, they're deluding themselves. They're absolutely going to go for uh, Griswold. They're going to just start to, uh, I mean, the juggernaut's going to keep moving forward. The target, the target I believe has always been Griswold. Yeah. Uh, They don't believe that there is a right to privacy inherent in the constitution. That's been a staple of, of conservative, you know, constitutional law Hmm. for as long as I've been alive, you know, Pretty much as as long as I've been alive, they're 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 coming for the right to privacy. There's no question. Oh, God, it's uh, staggering. And and you know after that, you know Lawrence Obergefell, all of those. Uh, what a tragedy! What an unbelievable tragedy! Not just for women, but for this institution that composes one third of the federal government. Just uh... and, not, and not just that. I mean, if you make if you create a United States of patchwork, where gay marriage is legal in Illinois and outlawed in Indiana and you can get an abortion in Minnesota, but not in Wisconsin. You're, you're, you're asking for social chaos. Yep. It's almost like a cold, uh, secession in a way. It's almost like a cultural secession. I mean, obviously that's yeah, been underway a, a, a for a cold, while now, a cold, but this a cold civil war, yeah. a cold civil war. Cold yeah, civil war. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think, I, I, I think that's a plausible scenario. 
Let's talk about something more cheerful, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> going, back, going, going back to 1-6, um, contempt charges aside, do you think the 1-6 committee is going to pass criminal referrals against Trump and his inner circle based on their coup? Not just, you know, contempt, uh, but, you know, other charges emerging out of this well, investigation. I don't, think, I don't think the committee can do that. Uh, they, the committee can't level, I don't believe, can level criminal sanctions against anyone. Well, I mean, can't they refer uh, oh yeah, I mean they can. Criminal charges. I mean they can feed. They can feed. You know Merrick Garland a layup, but can yeah. you know Merrick Garland find the hoop? Right. Basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, is there any question at all now that a half, you know, a half bright federal prosecutor could could make an obstruction of justice case against Donald Trump? Absolutely. I mean, Mueller, practi- Mueller practically handed one to everybody. Yep. You know, and and that's not even dealing with this thing. I mean, as soon as he called Raffensperger in Georgia, he committed a crime. Yeah, do you think that's the most likely instance where Donald Trump could face uh, serious prosecution, possibly a prison time out of uh, Georgia, the the entire Georgia thing with the election and the asking for eleven thousand votes, et cetera? Do you think that's going to be the first thing that's going to get that, him? Or I think, that, I think that's I think that's the the you know the best example. Yeah, you know, barring you know, something coming out of the committee that we, you know, that even we didn't anticipate. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, I gotta, I I mean, I didn't know much about Benny Thompson, but the man is a workhorse. (laughs) Yeah. Talking about a juggernaut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got, he's got a, I mean, he's got a lot of help from Liz Cheney and boy, I can hardly wait to go back to hating everything Liz Cheney. (laughs) I I know what you mean. Benny Thompson was smart (laughs) enough to, to, to put her in a position of power. Mm. And he, I mean, he just, he just put, he's putting one foot in front of the other every day and every day that, you know, there's another, you know, hobnail boot falling. Uh, but Mark Meadows has got to be terrified at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Because if there's a fall guy, it's him. Are I mean, the- he's, being set, he's being set up right now. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. He's absolutely I mean, you the yeah. been listening to, to, you know, or, or watching any of Fox today, they're all posing themselves as American heroes, because they tried to get Donald Trump to to call off the riot. <laughs> I mean, that's their amazing. that's their thing now. Yeah, uh, and yeah. you know, and how far of a leap is it to go from that to we'd have gotten it done, we'd have gotten him to stop the riot if Mark Meadows wasn't in the way? Right. Are public hearings next year going to move the dial at all? Um, you know, yes. Eric Bollard has been pretty pro on that on Twitter these days. And and I seem to uh, generally agree with that idea that they're not going to be able to dance around the public hearings on Fox News. They're going to have to cover some of it. And that may end up, uh, you know, convincing some of the fringy people who may be still convincible that uh, this is worth paying attention to and worth being concerned about. Don't you think? Do you think that's going to happen or no? Yeah, the only thing the only thing that scares me is the fringy people aren't going to get sane. They're just going to find a, you know, a a, a fringy candidate like Ron DeSantis. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, if they're not they're not all going to turn like you said. They're not they're not all going to turn into Bob Dole right away. I mean, they're mm. they're, you know, they're going to go trolling for the for a for you know a guy who frankly is better at being a dictator than Donald Trump was. God damn it! Well, wow, how do we end up getting painted into a corner like this? We're such a fucking idiot like Donald Trump. I, I, I tell you, I'll tell you why. Because we don't vote. Yeah. Because yeah. 50% of us don't vote. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we wake up blinking one morning and, and you know, the whole system's screwed. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like, you know, it's like it's ignoring. 
I mean, I don't know what the, uh, I can't remember, but the, the percentage of, of young people who voted in 1972, which is the first time I voted because mm-hmm. the 18 year old law went through, uh, I, it's something, it was up in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it hasn't been half of that. I don't think, except for the Obama election, the first Obama election. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's been half of that, you know, anytime recently. The Democrats have won the presidential popular vote. And what? Six of the last seven times? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The only, uh, I think the only miss was Bush 2004. Bush. Yeah. Bush yeah, Kerry. Yeah. George Bush and, and, and Bob Kerry. And we don't really know what happened there. Right. But at least, you know, by the, you know, by the official count, however tainted it might have been, mm-hmm. George Bush got more votes than John Kerry did. I'm having but, I'm having flashbacks to Diebold voting machines in 2004 in Ohio, in Cuyahoga oh, no, yeah. County. I was going to say Ken Blackwell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the name I was trying to think of. Exactly. Oh shit. Yeah, he's out there. He's out there actually working the voter fraud evangelical uh, tour now. Wow. I saw him pop up in one speaker. Oh, you know, one uh, one program of speakers or another. Uh, you know who's 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 now on that circuit? By the way, who's that? Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's speaking at a, a conservative youth conference somewhere. <laughs> you know, they should just dress him up like Gritty, that mascot from yeah! Philadelphia. Because that's basically what he is, isn't he? He's yeah, but like he can't, Gritty I mean, he mascot. Keeps, I, mean, he, I mean, he keeps going around saying things like, I'm really sympathetic with Black Lives Matter. And, <laughs> and, and then he takes, you know, he takes a check from, you know, yeah. young Republicans who don't have sex. CPUSA, yeah, or yeah, yeah, exactly. Charlie Kirk's group, yeah. Yeah, the man who, the man with the sh- the incredible shrinking face. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit, yeah. Um, you know, real quick before we wrap up, Charlie, have you sure. seen any of the new, uh, the newly released JFK assassination documents? I think they just dumped I a bunch. At, of them. I actually, I actually, I spent a better part of an hour looking at them uh, this afternoon. I'm going to blog something about it. I think tomorrow. I, I, I honest, I mean, I don't understand why they're just not all out there. Yeah, I know. I refuse to believe that there's something in there that will compromise national security. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's the confounding. Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, what you know, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what we're supposed to be protecting ourselves from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cubans don't give a damn. All they want is, you know, American tourism and a baseball team. Yeah, it just seems like a, a long way to go to avoid minor embarrassment. That but, seems yeah, like yeah. the whole well, motivation. Minor or major embarrassment, you yeah, don't really yeah. know. Right, right. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I've always believed that there were two, there, there actually were two conspiracies. Mm-hmm. The one was actually who pulled the trigger, and that's a little bit tenuous. Yeah. But there's no question there was a conspiracy to cover up a whole bunch of shit. Oh, yeah. After afterwards, people looked in the files and said, oh, my God, you know, we got to we got to derail independent investigations because you don't know where they're going to lead. Mm-hmm. There's plots against Castro. There's deals with the mob. There's, you know, you know, deals with the, you know, the Corsican mafia in World War Two. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And I and I suspect there's a whole bunch of information on Lee Harvey Oswald that they didn't want anybody to see either. Oh yeah. Because even if he acted alone, 
he was into all kinds of crazy subcultural, you know, uh, Operation Mongoose. He's linked to that through maybe David Ferry and some of the other well, more the guy, shady I mean, characters. The, the, guy, the guy defected to Russia. Yeah. And then was able to come back in 1961 you know, where we not that long from the hangover of the McCarthy days mm-hmm. and was able to come back. Nobody stopped him at the airport. Nobody, you know, nobody, you know, denied him a passport. He comes back with a Russian wife. Give me a break. <laughs> I know. It's just, that's that's one of the most glaringly obvious aspects of all of this, that even if you think that this guy did all of that shooting, I mean, yeah. pretty miraculous that he was able to do the kind of damage that he did in Dealey Plaza. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, he was absolutely up to his neck in, uh, you know, an entire cabal of freaks and weirdos trying yeah, to, and I, yeah. And a, you know, and, and a bipartisan group of freaks and weirdos. Right. He was hanging out with, you know, reactionary, you know, Cuban and Cuban sympathizers in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And he was hanging out with the white Russian community in Dallas. Yeah. You know, who are certainly not communists. At the same time, he's declaring himself a Marxist-Leninist on TV mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Yeah. I, you know, he, the guy the guy looked like a human disinformation campaign. I, I mean, and that aside, I still don't understand how, as I said before, how he did all of that damage, how he nailed those shots uh, in Dealey Plaza from, from where no, he I mean, was. It, it, I mean, and the great, the great thing is, of course, that you can go to Dealey Plaza. Yeah. And... And see, you know, you know, I mean, the, the, the I think it's, I mean, you got to really work mm-hmm. to, uh, to put, you know, to make him marksman enough to, to hit any, to hit the broadside of a barn with that rifle, number one. Yeah. And, and number two, you know, to do the shooting he did. But the thing that gets me, Bob, and it's always gotten me, I have never heard a, and I, and I tried to read Bugliosi's book, but it's, 8,000 pages and I, <laughs> but I did read Posner's book and I've yeah. read, you know, a number of the, of the books on the other side. Nobody has ever come up with a convincing motive mm-hmm. of why he did it. Yep. He denied it. I mean, if he was, if he was trying to make himself famous, he went about it in a terrible way because yeah. he denied it every time he got in front of a microphone. Right. Uh, he's, you know, there are people who heard him say he sort of liked Kennedy, uh, Nobody has come up with a motive. And I do not buy Walter Cronkite's theory that he did it to, to, to because he was an impotent little man who wanted to make history. Because he didn't act like that. Nope, not at all. You know, Shaw Gosh acted like that. Gateau, who shot Garfield, acted like that. Certainly Booth acted like that. This yeah, guy, you know, yeah, this guy actually did press conferences. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Where he did nothing but deny it. That to me is insane. Yeah, the idea that you would blithely dismiss, you know, that, you know, that obvious fact and say, well, he just wanted to make himself famous and, 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 you know, you know leave a mark. And, and people just don't want to believe in, in anything untoward because, you know, to have this loser assassinate the, the president rocked their comfort zone. No, be, having these files still, you know, locked up in the National Archives almost 60 years afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's what pretty much destroys people's credibility. 
And you know, this is one of those things where uh, I really, I lean on the conspiracy side of all of this, Charlie, obviously. And, yeah, so do I. And, and I, I really believe that uh, it was kind of the patient zero for all of the conspiracy theory madness that we see emerging out of it. But this is one of those things that I think there's a legitimate case for a conspiracy, whether it's uh, before the fact or whether it's actually uh, the, the shooters, Oswald, another shooter, maybe a couple of shooters. I mean, you mentioned the Corsican Mafia. I saw a whole thing about how, you know, the shooters were Corsican mobsters. In fact, I think they were supposed to uh, hit Kennedy in Miami prior to that. Well, I mean, well, Miami and Chicago. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, Tom Hartman's. Uh, mm. Tom Hartman, Tom Hartman and Lamar Waldron, who who writes his books with him, he writes some of his books with him, uh, are convinced it was a mob hit. Yeah. And that afterwards, the CIA didn't want their dealings with the mob to come out. So they, you know, trashed their files. Interesting. One of the only things that uh, has made me consider that Oswald acted alone and everything the Warren report said was true is uh, when I had the opportunity to have a, a brief chat with Ted Sorensen, who honestly believed that it was, uh, it was Oswald acting alone. And, you know, <laughs> I make it a point when I encounter people like Ted Sorensen to never disagree with people like Ted Sorensen. So that was one of those things where I was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe he does have a, a point. Maybe it's it was Oswald. Because but, I yeah. interviewed, uh, well, I, I interviewed, I mean, I interviewed Kenny O'Donnell right at the end of his life, but not about that. Wow. Uh, about, you know, he was running for governor when I was at the Phoenix and he was just really drunk all the time. Yeah. But, uh, I interviewed Dave Powers, uh, the other member of the Irish Mafia, uh, who was at that point running the Kennedy Library. The Kennedy Library had just been built. Oh, my God. I mean, it was it was that long ago. And Powers and O'Donnell were in the car behind the limo. Yeah. And Powers, to his dying day, said the shot came from the from behind the fence. Wow. He has no doubt about that. Huh. Uh, and he always, and I've talked to like nine different people who who interviewed Dave Powers and they all, and he told them all the same thing he told me that it sounded like a watermelon hitting the pavement. Oh my God. How fucking awful. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I was watching a video the other day on YouTube and it was relatively legitimate. And they were talking about the possibility that I think there was a book uh, written about this, that it was an accidental discharge from a Secret Service agent who had just brandished an AR-15 in uh, one of the follow-up cars, and that was the headshot. And they made a pretty decent case for angles, trajectory, ballistics. Uh, but, of course, it's it's such a such a far-fetched concept for us to wrap our heads around that well, for my, me... My was... understanding is the Secret Service detail was too hungover to hit the side of a barn. <laughs> That I mean, weren't they all shit, it too. Weren't yeah, they all, yeah. They all sockless, shit-faced, drunk the night before. Yeah, that was the whole premise of that uh, Clint Eastwood movie in the Line of Fire. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Good movie, by the way. Yeah, that yeah, it was a great movie. Uh, what are your plans for the holidays this year, Charlie? Uh, we're we're kind of you know we we had all kinds of plans. We were going to go to Atlanta and visit with our grandchild, who we haven't seen because he was born during right before in back at the very end of the before times. But now <laughs> with with you know. Omicron. Yeah. I think my daughter's going to go down there and the rest of us will be up here. So have you met that's your, have, we can tell, but I, I also have my birthday halfway between Christmas and new year. So oh, it's always right. a big week. 
It's always a big week for me. All right. Well, Merry Christmas and happy birthday to you, my friend. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Charlie Pierce writes the best political columns on the internet, found as always at Esquire.com. Link in the description under this episode at BobSeska.com. You can also watch him argue with Tom Nichols on Twitter, at Charles P. Pierce. Thank you so much for joining me today, my friend, and Take have care. a great- Happy holidays, Bob. Ha- have a good one. Have a great Christmas break. Take care. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.